Honorable members, honorable members, order. Switch on the microphone. Switch on the microphone. We are rising on a point of order. On a point of order. The microphones must be on. Welcome to Politics Unmuted, where our microphones are never muted and we turn up the volume on all things political. I'm Gonita Hunter, the politics editor for News 24. And I'm Lisa Gatandra, the politics reporter. And I'm Jason Felix from News 24 in Parliament. Welcome to the second episode, guys. Jason, you joining us from Cape Town. Um, and Lizeka and myself are in our Johannesburg studios. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kanita. It's good to be here again. It's our second installment. So I'm looking forward to the discussions. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm standing on day in one uh, for greater phone signal. And this is my first time uh, on this podcast. Uh, it's really awesome to be here. I'm imagining you just, you know, on the, literally on the side of the N1. <laughs> <laughs> reporting from from protests. Um, okay, so coming up, guys, we'll be talking about the official opposition, the Democratic Alliance, the state that that party's in, and what needs to happen for the DA to rebuild itself and become a viable alternative for South African voters. It's had a messy few years, um, to say the least, but just in a few days, about 2,000 DA delegates will meet virtually for their elective conference, and they will have to choose between KwaZulu-Natal MPL Mbalin Tuli or former Chief Whip John Steenhuisen, who's the acting leader, um, as the leader of the Democratic Alliance. It's obviously a very critical moment for the DA, both in terms of the state the party finds itself in, but also in the run-up to the 2021 local government elections. Can we kick things off by asking you, Liz, why should people care? Well, it's, it's, it's quite crucial that we have a vibrant and, and a, uh, a functioning opposition uh, party, uh, Kanisa. We, in terms of the DA, the DA has been the biggest opposition. We need an opposition that can highlight the, the pitfalls of, of the governing party. We need an opposition that is able to, you know, pick up or pick out the issues that are underlying that the ANC is not delving into. We need an opposition that can ensure that our democracy is maintained. That's very important. We need, you know, I, I might not agree with the DA in terms of its policies, in terms of where it's going. And sometimes I am not too happy with the individuals within the DA, but I understand the reason why we need uh, a party that is like the DA in this democracy. Jason, I mean, why should people care about the DA's conference? Well, I think, Juanita, um, the DA has become more and more relevant since, uh, since the 90s, um, uh, since the days of Tony Leon and, 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 and of course, Helen Zilla. Um, at that time, the party was at its strongest. Uh, the DA has actually many other parties have had its problems. But I think they find their voice in respect of getting their message out there and People should actually care. Uh, this party is in government in the Western Cape, uh, South Africa's second biggest economy. Um, it's, a, it's a government in Cape Town, especially. It's the, the second biggest city. Uh, it impacts on, on, on close to 6 million people. It has ambitions to uh, to be in government at, at a national level. It's, uh, it's, does it? It's does it, does it really now, Jason? Do, does it really <laughs> want to be in government at a national level? Let's, let's just go there. 
that they want to be in government. You really think so? <laughs> yes, I really think so. Valentine <laughs> well, um, Tuli said um, in one of her letters um, that the party leader stands to be the president um, at any time. And um, I would want to agree with that. I think the DA in the next 10 years might not be in government, even the next 20 years. But certainly as the younger generation grows up and the DA obviously sorts its problems out, Mm-hmm. Can't provide a better alternative for the ANC, which has been beset with problems from factionalism to corruption to actual governance, and it can be a better alternative to the ANC. But yeah, uh, the DA is more relevant um, than most people think it is. I'm inclined to to disagree with you in in so many points that you've 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 made, uh, Jason. Agree, I agree that there is a, a need for um, a, a, the DA in in South African democratic uh, politics. But in terms of, I mean, where we've seen the DA leaning, and and how it compares to the ANC now, factionalism in in the DA exists just as much as it does in the ANC. It's just more heightened in in the ANC because of its stance as the governing party. We've seen the the DA have its own flaws in terms of governance in places like Tswane, in places like Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, in places like Johannesburg, for instance. And in terms of the the party in itself wanting to <laughs> wanting to get to a point where they govern the entire country, that's still up for debate. Uh, that might be decided on in this conference. And that's why this conference is such a tipping point for the DA. Because this is where we realize whoever takes over, whoever leads in the party, whether it be Helen Zill, um, John Steenhazen, Bali, Mike Moriarty, it will kind of give us a uh, an idea and what is said after will give us an idea of where the DA is going and I'm not sure if the DA is leaning towards governing the country I think the DA is very quite comfortable in its position as the opposition so I think that the 2016 uh, local government elections was really uh, an important sort of milestone for the DA in two respects so the first of it is that it obviously had a huge increase in support in the local government elections and you see it maybe not clinching municipalities outright but increasing their support dramatically especially in like you know municipalities in Limpopo you know that kind of thing you you did see uh, an uptick for the DA but it also proved to be a little challenging in the sense that when it got into the governing side and you're not governing cohesive uh, communities um, yeah. or, or, or areas like like city of Cape Town and, and, and the Western Cape, um, you realize that governance is actually really hard, <laughs> yeah. let alone governing through through coalitions. And so, Jason, this is why when, when we said, you know, really, does the DA want to be a governing party? I get the sense that it's almost uh, resolved that governing South Africa, especially governing South Africa from after the ANC is going to be a morse <laughs> it's going to be a huge challenge Lizeka had a different word in mind <laughs> but it, it's, it's going to be a terrible um, uh, feat and so I think that's where you kind of have the sentiment brewing especially after the 2019 general elections where the DA almost or, or, or sort of the core of the DA almost resigning its, itself to be uh, a protector of minority interests almost and, and, and moving away from 
well, what was effectively a Helen Ziller project mm. to make the DA almost an ANC light, mm. more palatable to South African voters, and really a viable alternative to the DA. If you just look at the policies that the DA has been punting since its policy conference, it, it gives me the indication that it really wants to protect a status quo instead of, you know, uh, reaching out and, and appealing to voters. But Jason, I mean, if you disagree with us, you can you, you can say so. I disagree in some respects. The DA, made, the DA has made a few blunders. Um, I think they've admitted to um, those problems. Um, but I think the leadership crisis within the DA or within the party has also added to um, them not getting getting their message out there or getting a clear message out there as well. I do think with regards to next year's election, um, the DA is is targeting obviously Cape Town and obviously re- retaining Cape Town and trying to get back into Tswane and, 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 and Johannesburg. But I think we are, we are, we are a bit unfair on, on, on the DA. Um, I, I would agree that they have a lot of problems, they have a lot of issues, but what political party doesn't have issues? Mm. I mean, um, the ANC is, is, is but one party that has its own issues. The EFF has its own issues. I think we, um, I, I think rightfully so, we are placing a lot of emphasis on the DA because they're the biggest opposition and they the second opposition in parliament or the biggest opposition in parliament. But I do think they have ambitions, and I do think with time, they will be able to, to get to that. And when I say time, I mean at least the next 30 years. What I wonder with, and I see Jason's point, and I love the fact that he is totally at odds with us yeah. because that's how you know debate and, and and ideas and democracy works. But what I what I wonder with the DA in terms of the policy, the most you know talked about, or criticized, or contentious policy is the policy around race mm. and the DA rejecting. Any, uh, they're rejecting um, race as um, a proxy for, for disadvantage. That in itself tells me that the DA has recognized that it, it's lost its traditional voters and it needs to appease them. It needs to appeal to those, to those voters. And to me, it doesn't ring true. It doesn't sound true or it, it doesn't resonate with me as a black South African mm-hmm. that the DA is appealing to me, that the DA wants me mm-hmm. to be part of its, its little club. If I could so say. so the, the one interesting thing that I've seen since that, and I've, I've obviously criticized the DA for that policy position and they've hit back at us and, and, mm. and you know, and that's all in the interest of uh, freedom of expression, I suppose. But the one point that I, I didn't think about, and and I can see where the DA, those um, in the DA who are punting this this view and this policy, where they sort of hope that it won't go completely wrong for them, is is this explanation, as simplistic as it is, that BE didn't help ordinary South Africans. Mm. And it only made Patrice Mutsepe rich and Cyril mm. Ramaphosa rich. Mm. And so, if you take that to if you take that to ordinary South Africans who who have seen state capture and who have seen you know uh, the family members of councillors enrich themselves and family members of mayors enrich themselves, then it almost isn't as a blunder as we, the chattering class, looking into that policy, uh, see it as. So, so, so we we see it as a blunder in the sense that, 
you know, how can you exclude race from transformation? Race has to be a criteria for transformation because race was the criteria in uh, in disadvantaging people because of apartheid. Um, so policy head Gwen Gwenya tried to explain this. She said that um, what what they believe with by by doing away or rejecting race as as a proxy for disadvantage what they're saying is that uh it, it's meant what it means is that poverty is used as a metric and what it means is that the means test that is used you can you can help the poor by using that means test of of of, of poverty that's fair and well but you don't but, consider that poverty is as a result yes, of race exactly that's yeah. fair and well but it's absolutely crucial i mean we are such a we are at our um, toddler stage for lack of a better word in terms of our democracy in terms of uh, of 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 where we are as as south africa we're in in our economy where we want to progress we're still discussing issues like land expropriation without compensation yeah and we need to this this plan for me doesn't speak to the ordinary south african and i will never change my mind about that so, so Jason, is this conference about about these issues? Is are, is this a proxy fight, uh, f- you know, between the two factions, or is it as good as sealed? And and whoever the DA leader is, um, is inconsequential. I think uh, for for the DA, the this conference is basically just to get the leadership crisis out of the way. Uh, but I do think also that the the issue of race in particular um, is going gonna, to bite them. You can't go to an electorate and, and, and speak of transformation and not speak of race. I mean, um, race issues is a, is a terrible issue in our country. Um, the two, um, transformation and race always goes together because of given the apartheid history and given what has happened in our country in the past. And I think you are quite correct when saying that, Lezeka, that as an ordinary South African and as a voter, that cannot resonate. That cannot resonate with you. But what I do think is that this race issue and, 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 and a lot of these policies that they that they've come up with, they're going to have to rescind these decisions. I predict that the DA will have to go, will go back to the back to the drawing board, and, and because they will see that firstly they'll, they'll lose support in areas like in Kailicha, here in Cape Town, where they have got a big support base. Almost 100 percent sure they will lose support in the towns of Johannesburg, of Social Blue and Soweto, and those, and, and and they will be forced somewhat, somehow to go back to the drawing board and find another policy that will appease South Africans. Because you cannot speak of transformation and not the race; uh, the two goes together. And I think this conference, whoever comes out as the winner of this conference or the winners of this conference, they will have to serve with that dilemma, and it's going to be one hell of a problem if they don't fix it now, going into the future. So let's take a step back and 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 figure out how did the DA find itself in this quagmire of of its leadership crisis, right? So it's almost a year ago. Oh God, yeah. You remember the time? <laughs> I remember the okay, day. Okay, so, so <laughs> <laughs> the hour and the minute <laughs> when 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 Musi Maimane resigned from the DA, Liz, just point that picture for us um, uh, a year ago 
what happened and how we got to where we are now. Well, let's start off in, in, in the elections in August where the DA comes out having lost, you know, it wanted to dislodge the ANC here in Gauteng. It was hoping to bring the ANC down uh, to below 50%, if I'm correct, in, in the country. And it saw itself, you know, taking some of the provinces and it lost and, you know, instead of gaining any momentum, it it lost its traditional voters. And the DA always prided itself, is that the word, prided itself yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, the, on the thing that it, it, it grew yeah, every it's election. It's you growing. know, it's a, it's South growing. Africa, it's the only party that grows. Because yes. remember, all of these tiny parties like COPE and whatever, they, they peaked and then they declined yeah. over the subsequent yeah. elections. So that was its selling point. Yeah. Like we were the only party that kept on growing. Exactly. And then 2019 exactly. happens. And then 2019 happens. And then Musi Mai Mane makes this very... Um, confusing I, I'm trying to find the word I'll say confusing confusing decision to have a panel because there were discussions within the federal FedEx which is the federal executive which is um, almost like your NWC of the of the ANC the National Working Committee yes that meets and, twice a and month. exactly and and the decision was that they need to review uh, what happened where did they go wrong yeah. and Musi puts up this panel of DA veterans, as if 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 you if you will allow, uh, Tony Leon um, and and two others, I forget their names, and they come up with this <laughs> predictable report, which puts the the majority of 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 the blame on the situation on on the DA's decrease on the DA's uh, downfall. Tony Leon and 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 the two other gentlemen whom I've forgotten. I think one of them was uh, Capitec Ona or some or something like that. They decided to um, their report comes back calling Musi out, pointing the finger at Musi as him being the one who's responsible for the decline of of DAA of DA votes. So but Jason, I mean he was the leader of the DA and so the buck had to stop with him, right? Correct, yes. I, I fully agree with you on that one. He had to take all the responsibility. I mean he was the face of the party, he was the poster boy of of the elections um at at the time. But I think Musi Maimani was a weak leader. Um, he, he never got a grip on the party. Um, I think Helen Zilla's influence in the party as well. I think when she when she left the position as Western Cape government premier, I think that's when all their problems started. Um, because I almost get the feeling that Helen Zilla had nothing to do with her time. Now she had to, you know, be involved in the party. I mean, I, I, the, the fact that she still has this high position within the party is still, uh, it, it still boggles my mind. But I think um, Helen Zilla's influence and Musi could never really, um, he could never really be himself, if I can put it that way. And given that he was described as a weak leader and given the fact that he could never get a grip on the DA and get a grip on its internal policies and its internal factions and its internal wage driving, he really, he, he really couldn't control it. And I think um, as sad as it is, he, he had to take the fall for the party and that. So then, so then, what happens uh, a year ago is that Musi jumps before he's pushed. Yes, 
essentially essentially uh, um, after you know the 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 watershed e uh, election of uh helen ziller as as federal council chair which i mean the reemergence of helen ziller alone was enough to drive uh, musi bonkers yeah. because uh, it was a point. It was at a point where Musi had been given the baton by by Helen, uh, his mentor. He was uh, so Helen Zilla's protege. Can I say something very controversial? I think that this entire Zilla Musi fallout proved to us what we were saying all along: that it was borrowed power, mm. right? And Musi was the only person who didn't know that. You think? I think I think he knew exactly. Then why did he take it so personally <laughs> when she came back to reclaim her power? I think at some point, uh, Musi got too cocky for his own good. Yeah, and I he think, thought he was there I think, legitimately. I he think, thought... No, I, I, I don't believe that. I think they, Musi should have known because... When you speak to the, the the black leaders within the DA, they always say, we told him. We told him that if you align yourself with these people, with the certain faction of the DA... And you get parachuted will, within you, such a short yes, period of time. Yes, yeah. and you mushroomed into this position and you think that you have the power... I'm telling you, we are telling you, we've seen this happen with Mazibugo, Lindiwe Mazibugo. We've seen this happen with some of our, our leaders in provinces or even in parliament. And you are bound to get hurt. You are going to get stung. And he didn't listen. But I think that at some point when uh, the issue of, of race, when Helen started tweeting and then the Patricia DeLille situation, I think at some point he really did see himself as holding uh the reins in the party mm. until helen came back and said no this is my party yeah and so and so he leaves the party and then there's there's interim elections and and john steen hazen becomes the interim leader and now this entire year there was preparations for this conference which is happening virtually jason what i mean is it a can I just add that uh, Musi Maimane actually, uh, if if I think back, uh, Jason, maybe you 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 might remember as well. Musi didn't initially decide to leave the party okay. um, after him and Mashaba's yeah. resignation. He came into that federal council saying we need a policy uh, direction. Sure, um, we need to. Um, because you can't tell me that the buck stops with me when our policies haven't been framed, when we don't have a clear uh, policy agenda. Yeah. They've been saying, I mean, to a point where I think Gwen resigned at, uh, as, as, as policy head and now she's back. So there has been a back and forth about these policies. And that, that was the tipping point for Musi when it seemed like he was... Um, there was a battle there about whether they should go to to policy or not, and then federal council finally conceded. But that there should be a policy. But conference. there should be a policy conference. That's definitive on what the party stands exactly. for. Exactly, but it was too late for both Ethel Trollope and Musi Maimani. So, Jason, you were saying you were saying about you know your analysis of this virtual conference that's happening this weekend. Going in, there's already some red flags, right? Around the credibility issues. Um, and I think whoever wins it, whoever comes out as winners of this conference, uh, will have to take forward the DA's position on on race, on all the other issues that they have uh, that they have spoken about, the, the policies that they have agreed upon. 
they would have to carry the baton and carry it forward no matter how, how, how difficult it might be. And trust you me, it's going to be difficult, especially with the race policy which they have agreed to and which they have adopted. That for me is going to be the defining factor. The DA appears to be um, not too worried about this race issue, not too worried about mm. um, the issues around um, state capture and around corruption and around a lot of things. They are stumbling ahead, going forward with it. And I do think it's going to cost them at the elections next year because when you look at transformation and, and race especially, uh, to bring back what what, what, what Lizeka has said, is that this issue um, doesn't resonate with um, their policy, their race policy doesn't resonate with the ordinary voter or with ordinary South Africans. And I don't think they will be able to convey this message to the electorate next year. So let's talk about the two candidates, Mbalin Tuli and John Steenhazen. Um, Mbalin Tuli, a young, up-and-coming young leader, she comes from the youth movement of the DA, right, Lizeka? Um, You know, worked her way up, has had very public spats with Helen Ziller, um, is known to be a firebrand. What do you know about her? Um, Mbali, uh, in in her time during uh, um, as as the youth leader of the DA, kind of propelled the the youth league or the the youth structure in in in, in the party and uh, made I I would say as opposed to her successor mm-hmm. or predecessor, sorry, Makashule um, Gana, uh, she took it uh, a step forward, did what Helen Zill was doing in 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 national, and. When she moved into uh, her position in the legislature, she um, was given a constituency which was uh, in in the rural parts of 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 KZN, and she made sure that within that uh, that constituency, where the region is has eleven municipalities, mm-hmm. from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, she was able to ensure that each municipality in that district with eleven municipalities that. Uh, the DA has a presence. And the DA has volunteers, branches, and and activists. That ensures that the DA has got um, a leg to stand on when it went into negotiations with the IFP. Mm-hmm. The IFP being one of the kingmakers here in, in, in Johannesburg. Yeah. And that's how they managed to um, have that coalition. So she was very integral in, 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 in the talks that led to um, the party clinching uh, Johannesburg. So that in itself kind of tells you she's uh, a, a, a woman who's in the ground. She, a workhorse. She, she's a workhorse. She's got the ground forces. She can mobilize. They need that, which is absolutely crucial. I mean, we, need, we we kind of know, we kind of can predict who's going to win. We'll get to that. We'll get to that and, in a bit. <laughs> and, and whoever wins, that's why, and I agree with Jason, that whoever wins must decide um, I, I would advise whoever wins to decide to do a kind of like an ANC program of unity. You need to ensure that your Mbalis, the disenfranchised... Well, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's not a very good example. No, but it's also not a very good example because we saw where the unity of Didi Babusa has brought but us you, to the but ANC. But you need, you need to ensure that that group, that that disenfranchised group, your Pumziles, your your Makashule Ganas, yeah. your, your, you know, your, your Mbali Ndulis, that... that 
that young, vibrant uh, black youth, which was able to go into the trenches, which was able to ensure that it mobilizes that support that you need in your Sowetos, your uh, Royal KZNs, your Kailiches. You bring it back. You must make sure that you give them space. You must make sure that you give them positions that, you know, they don't feel undermined. They don't feel useless. And so John Steenhuisen, Jason, obviously comes from KZN, has come to Parliament. He really was a good chief whip of the DA. Mm. I don't know if that means he'll be a good DA leader, but he was really a good uh, chief whip. What's your experience? I think um, I agree in some sense that he was a good um, uh, parliamentary leader, um, but that doesn't mean that he can be a good party leader because in parliament he deals with uh, what a ninety members, ninety member caucus, I think, eighty five member caucus. Um, with a party, he deals with structures, he deals with factionalism, he deals with branches who are at times unhappy, and like Yuzeka said, he. I think people like Pumzile Van Damme, people like Makasule Ghana, uh, people like Mbali and Tuli who, who can go into, in, into the trenches, you can go into your Umlazis, your Kailichas, your Fulham Gubes, you can go into the townships, get the votes and work hard for the party. You know, I have to deal with um, a black caucus, or not, not even that's a black caucus, but let me say prominent black leaders who are theologically disenfranchised and who, don't, who do not want to work for the party as hard as what they did before. So now you've got to deal with party members, very senior party members, who, who almost don't have your back. So it's complex issues. And I don't think when you became the interim leader of the DA, I, I thought to myself that this, this is not going to be a good step, firstly for transformation, and secondly, for the black leaders and the very strong black leaders within the party. Uh, we saw what happened to Lindibi Matipuko, uh, who was an excellent leader and an even better parliamentary leader because she gave the ANC a run for their money, she gave Jacob Zuma a run for his money, she literally put herself out there. Mm. The DA never appreciated that. Now with John Steenhuisen, comes from KwaZulu Natal, very influential province, but the DA is not so influential even in KwaZulu Natal let alone uh, the rest of the country. So he's going to deal with many complex problems. And I think that comparing the parliamentary caucus to what is happening in the party, where it's ever-changing, where problems are ever-growing, where there's every single day there's a new challenge for the DA, I think it's going to be a difficult task. And I don't think, though, he will he will be up to the task because he will have the support of people like Helen Zeller, You'll have the support of the parliamentary caucus of the federal executive and, and some provincial or most provincial leaders. But and I think that's where Musi failed because he never had the support of a strong federal chairperson. They threw him under the bus. I think the the, the current grouping is not going to throw John Kennedy under the bus easily, and this, of course, something that might have happened. But I do think that he's not he's not the greatest um, 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 he's not the greatest leader. Of, of for of, for the party, I think Mbali and Tuli would be a much more would be a better leader. Um, firstly, she's a woman. Secondly, she's young. She's a firebrand politician. She's a fire starter. She's absolutely someone that that can get in there. She's in your face. She's taken on people like Helen Villa, who many people fear. She doesn't fear Helen Villa, and I think that's the kind of leader that. So, uh, who's going to win, Jason? In your prediction. My prediction. Uh, gosh, uh, 
Come on, Jason. We Jason, all know. Jason, come on. <laughs> I would, I, I would really hope for Ibali to win. Um, um, You'd hope, but do you sorry. predict that she will win? I don't think she has enough support. Honestly, I think. Jason answering like a politician. But you know what? I also think that Mbali knows she 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 knows why she 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 contested uh, these elections. It was uh, for her when I spoke to her. It wasn't necessarily. I mean, a win would be great, but it was she wanted that that healthy contestation within the party she wanted for that marginalized uh, uh, few uh, ideologically to also have a, a voice within the party she said to me whatever comes out of this uh, what i want and 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 what has inspired me is that people within the party and outside of the party are saying that they've been motivated inspired by her running because she has upset the establishment. The expected person to, to, to take over had a run for his money. And that was what, what Makashule Ghana did, essentially, when he went against um, uh, John Steenhuisen during the interim elections. It's the same, it's the same um, uh, playbook that they have. I suppose it's testing uh, the democracy yes. within the party. But obviously the party has really fell short when it comes to its internal democracy wow. in the run-up to this conference. I think if there's anything the party has to take away when it reflects whoever wins, regardless of who wins this conference, is that its, it's internal democratic processes were really, really um, not it. And we have criticized the ANC many times. And they have criticized and the ANC. And they've criticized the ANC many times. And the fact that you had rules like, you know, there was no public debates, uh, which there was in the past. And, and it's just the hypocrisy of it. Because when the ANC said this previously, the DA, um, before the Nazareth mm. conference, was egging on the, 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 the ANC to have these type of debates. And now... It finds itself in in the same position. They've got no leg to stand on. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I think if anything, the DA's internal uh, democratic processes are going to be tested. I think that uh, whoever wins, and we kind of have an idea of who's going to win. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the party um, will will show itself very soon mm -hmm. as to what it's what role it's going to play in South African politics and whether it's going to continue assert itself as um, the sort of formidable opposition that took on uh, issues of Nkandla and mm. state capture and, and, and really set the agenda in that way. That's all we have for you today from all of us at Politics Unmuted. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by my colleague Catherine Rice and recorded by Shante Shantz. The music is courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the hashtag politics unmuted. We'll see you again next week.